Please remain standing as we read our two scripture readings this morning. The first one comes to all of us from Psalm 16. The book of Psalm 16, verse 8 to 11. The book of Psalm 16, 8 to 11. In the Pew uh, Bibles, you will find it on page 575, Psalm 16, verse 8 to 11. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You made known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Amen. Now turn your Bibles to the Gospel of John chapter 20 this morning because of the Resurrection Day. We're going to suspend our series um, in the Gospel of Mark and look at uh, John chapter 20 beginning from verse 1 to uh, 20 as we all uh, remember and celebrate the risen Lord, together. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was dark. And so that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the, li the linen clothes lying there. But he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there, and the face clothes which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood, weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They say to her, Woman, why are you weeping? 
She said to them, they have taken away my Lord. And I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors were being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord Jesus. What the Lord Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so. I am sending you the word of the Lord. Let's pray. A gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for fulfilling that promise of raising your son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. Even this morning, we don't worship a dead Savior, but we worship the living and the risen Christ. And as we now hear your word, we pray that, that you would reveal to each and every one of us yourself. You would reveal yourself to us, not only as the one who died for us on the cross, but the one who was raised from the dead for our justification. Help us to understand what resurrection means for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Dr. Sunster was a British Methodist preacher in London in 21st century, in the first century. And it was Easter Sunday morning as he was suffering from severe throat cancer, which eventually became the cause of his death. And on that Easter Sunday, he was unable to speak. And he sent a note to his son, Paul, and in his note he said to his son these words. My son, it is terrible to wake up on Easter Sunday 
and have no voice with which to shout, He is risen. And then he added and said this to his son. But it would be still more terrible to have a voice and not want to shout, He is risen. Well, with the voice that God has given you this morning, do you really want to shout, saying, Christ is risen? And if your answer is yes, I want to declare that my Savior, Jesus Christ, is risen. Then my question to all of you this morning is, when you shout, saying, Christ is risen, what do you really mean? What is the implication of what you are declaring, saying Christ is risen to your Christian life? Do you really know and understand what his resurrection, what Easter Sunday offers to you here in this life and after? When you shout the declaration, Christ is risen, what are you saying to your own life? And other people. You know to just shout. He is risen. Without comprehending. Without um, grasping. What, what, ex- what exceptional. And unusual. Gifts. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Presents to you. As an in, as individual person. Would be pointless. Would be in vain. And it is for that purpose that this morning I want us to look at the the account, the story of Christ's resurrection in the Gospel of John chapter 20. Beloved, this chapter, this portion of the scripture in John chapter 20 shows us that in his resurrection, with his resurrection, our Lord Jesus Christ actually offers to you, as the people of God, three special gifts. How many of you understand that resurrection offers to you something rational? Something merciful? And something personal? Think about those gifts. Christ was risen from the dead. He appeared to his disciples and to Mary Magdalene, as we we are going to consider this morning together. And he presents to them and to all of us this morning something that is very rational, very reasonable. Something to be trusted, something to stood upon. Something merciful and something personal. So first let's look at this this gift which is very rational. Mary Magdalene came to the tomb at, at dark early in the morning. And she finds the tomb being empty. 
Remember, the tomb was closed and sealed by the most biggest stone that no one can move very easily. The grave was secured by members of the imperial guard in Rome. They were selected for that purpose. They were professionals. They were imperial guards who were chosen intentionally to guard the grave. And Mary comes to the tomb and it was empty. And she runs and tells Peter and John what she saw. That the fact that the tomb was empty. And the scripture tells us that the two disciples ran to the tomb. John uh, get to the tomb first and then Peter. But, but listen to what John tells us here. And so she ran and went to, the, to Simon and Peter, uh, the other disciple, John, the one whom Jesus loved, and say to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter. You know, the writer is John himself, so he's been smart in telling you, you know, he outran Peter, who was older. And reached the tomb first, and stooping to look in, he saw. Now, I want you all to understand the word so here is the Greek word tiarea, which means in English to theorize, which means to come up with an explanation for how something has happened. It means to observe something intensely to look for an explanation. So Peter, when he saw inside and saw everything in the tomb except the body of Jesus Christ, the, the, the linen cloth was there and it was placed in, on its place properly. And he was thinking, he was reasoning. With what he saw inside the tomb. I can picture Peter saying, if normal grave robbers took the body, why do they leave the linen with all the valuable spices? They wouldn't do that. The robbers would not do that. If, if this was done by his followers... Why do they dishonor the body by taking it naked? This gives sense, you see. That's what Peter was thinking. Everything is in order. Nothing is misplaced. This must be true. This gives sense. This is reasonable. You see, many people today... They think that the, the Christian faith is just irrational. 
Especially the, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Many people, they say, it doesn't give any sense. It is not logical. How can anyone decide to believe on it with no evidence? And blindly, they say. But you see, these enemies of the cross, these people who, who always tries to discredit the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they refuse to recognize that the scripture is full of evidences and witnesses for the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Was invented by his followers. No one in that culture at the time would put a woman as the prime witness for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you know that? No one would do that. Maybe some of you, you know this, uh, this already, but there was a Greek philosopher by the name of uh, Celsus who really hated Christianity, especially the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Celsus said Christian religion Especially resurrection is for the uneducated, for the, the low uh, class people. He wrote the first uh, intellectual attack on resurrection. And he said this in his writing. How can anyone... How can anyone expect a rational man to listen to the testimony of a hysterical female. Think about that. Why do you think he came to that kind of conclusion? Why do you think he made such a statement against the integrity and respect of a woman? Well, he lived in a time that you would call a misogynist time. A time where men despised women. A time where women were not qualified to become witnesses in the court room. But listen to this. Every gospel account, the gospel of Matthew, the gospel of Luke, the gospel of Mark, the gospel of John... Every gospel account presents to us women as the first witnesses of Christ's resurrection. Now think about Celsus' argument. Women? How can you believe this, this irrational and uncontrolled woman like Mary Magdalene to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? But you see, his foolish argument actually serves for the good of Christianity and for the good of the truth of Christ's resurrection. Because if you are inventing the story of resurrection to the people in this world, you will never put a woman as a witness. But because it is true, because it's actually happening, and, and God had a purpose in choosing Mary Magdalene and the other women to become witnesses of Christ's resurrection. 
God picked Mary Magdalene. And we'll see why. But it was because it was truth. You see, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul tells us, Jesus, after his resurrection, he appeared to his disciples and to more than 500 men in Israel. And some of them were still alive. And Paul argued, go, go to the towns and the cities and and meet this man and talk to them. They have seen the risen Christ. So it was not because lack of evidence. It was not because lack of witnesses. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is accompanied with many evidences and witnesses. And one of them, beloved, was Mary Magdalene. And I want us to think about this this morning. Why Mary Magdalene? If you were a son, like Jesus, you would pick your mother, yes? Mary, the mother of Jesus. If you are the leader of these 11 apostles, you would, you would choose the leading apostles, Peter and John, to become the, the chief and the prime witnesses of your resurrection. Or Mary of Bethany, his second family. The, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. You would pick someone like these people. Not Mary Magdalene. But Jesus chose Mary Magdalene. And he actually told her, go and tell everyone that I am risen. I am the risen Lord. Why Mary Magdalene? Because the story of resurrection becomes so wonderful, so amazing, so clear, so powerful in the life of Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene models to you and I what it means to be saved by grace and and faith in Jesus Christ alone. Mary Magdalene models to you and I what it means to be justified by this just and holy God. Mary Magdalene was a woman whom Jesus found in her dark season in life. When Jesus found this this woman, Mary Magdalene, she was under the bondage of evil spirits. She was under the bondage of demons. You know her story from the Gospel of Luke chapter 8. Jesus cast out seven demons from this woman. Jesus transformed her life. Jesus saved this woman only by grace. Only through faith in him. Not for anything that she has done. To secure her salvation in Christ Jesus. She didn't come to him. She found her. She didn't ask him to become her savior, her Lord. He chose this woman. 
changed her life once for all. She was the product of God's grace and eternal love, beloved. And she was chosen to be the first witness of Christ's resurrection. This cornerstone of the Christian religion. You know, if you don't have resurrection, do you know you have no religion? If you don't have resurrection, you have no eternal life. You're not justified. You're not declared righteous in the presence of God, who is holy, who is the judge of all. Mary Magdalene was a woman who experienced the power of Christ's resurrection. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul reminds us that before Christ found us, before Christ transformed our life, all of us were dead in our sins and transgressions. Not only that, we were serving Satan, the devil. We were walking according to the rules of this world. He found us in darkness. He found Mary Magdalene in her dark season. And he said to her, Mary, I am the light of the world. And he shone the light of the gospel in her life. And she became a believer. Now, she was chosen to become the first witness of this great event that we call Easter Sunday, Christ's resurrection. Let me ask you this, brothers and sisters in Christ. Are you like Mary Magdalene? Are you completely convinced that you have been converted by the grace of God? That you became sons and daughters of God, not because of something that you have done for God, but because of what Christ has done for you, his death and resurrection. And that brings us to my second point. Resurrection not only gives you something rational, something reasonable, like what we saw. But resurrection also presents to you a very merciful and kind Savior who won victory over death. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ presents to us a very kind Savior and Lord. He's not only Savior, he is Lord because he is risen. He defeated the power of death and hell. You see, after knowing many, many things about Jesus, Mary Magdalene, she heard who the Messiah will be. She heard that the Messiah will die, but she also heard that the Messiah will rise up from the dead. She heard all these things. She knew the scripture. 
but she was looking for a dead savior. There was no lack of love in the life of this woman. She loved Jesus. Do you know? Out of all the women who were serving Jesus and the other disciples, Mary was the one who contributed most of the financial support to Jesus' ministry here on earth. She had substance. She has possessions. So she was given almost her entire financial possession to the ministry of Jesus. But you need, you need to know this. Jesus didn't choose her to become the, the number one witness of his resurrection because she gave money to him. No, because he saved her by his grace. Because she models to us what salvation by grace and through faith in Christ alone is. But there was no lack of love in this woman. But her faith was so small. She, ha she has a category of her own as far as who the Messiah is. She was looking for a dead savior. She was like that uh, lover, li like that woman in the Song of Solomon, in Song of Solomon 5.8. The woman who was a lover, she said, I, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him I am sick with his love. That was Mary. She was sick with the love of Christ. She was the true lover of Jesus Christ. But she never understood the resurrection. She never grasped the power of Christ's resurrection in the life of a Christian. It was Easter Sunday morning. Morning Easter Sunday. Jesus was risen. In her mind, he was dead. In her mind, there was no a living savior for Christians. How many of you are in that position this morning? You are absolutely sure that Jesus died for you on the cross. And he was buried for the forgiveness of your sins. But yet you don't understand that he was also risen from the dead for your justification. You see, it is possible for you and I sometimes to divorce. To divorce the death of Jesus Christ from his resurrection. To only have his death on the cross but with no resurrection. What kind of life is that? What kind of confession is that? Because they both go together. They, go, they, they both work together. He died, but he was also risen from the dead. You see, Paul in 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 15 said, If Jesus was not raised from the dead, then it means we still live in our sin. There is no hope for us. 
early Easter Sunday, Mary was not rejoicing. Mary was not shouting, saying, he's risen, he's risen. No, no, she was weeping. Those of you who were at the Easter breakfast this morning, we we started our time together by shouting, Christ is risen. No, Mary was weeping. It was Resurrection Sunday. In her mind, he was still in the grave. She didn't have a living Savior. In her mind, she had no hope of life after death. She was troubled. And Jesus comes. Do you love his appearance to Mary? I love it. She was troubled, she was afraid, and here he comes. That's what Jesus does. You're afraid, you're troubled. You have this anxiety in life. You are bothered by your physical illness. You are not sure what tomorrow is bringing to you. You are in some kind of darkness in your life, and Jesus comes. At the time that you need him, Jesus comes, beloved. But what's what's amazing was how he treated Mary. Put yourself in Jesus' shoe. If I were Jesus, I know myself, if I were Jesus, I would say to Mary, Hey, woman, what is wrong with you? It is I. Now, he's the good shepherd. He's gentle. He's kind. He's merciful. She was wrong. Her faith was small. But he said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Do you hear that? This is the reason, Lord. You know, when he, when, he, when he revealed himself to Mary, he didn't re- reveal himself to Mary like a superman. You know, uh, saving people from some kind of tragedy, uh, people cheering him, you know, people shouting. Now, woman, why are you weeping? Do you know what Jesus was saying? Woman, Describe to me the man that you're looking for. Picture your faith to me. Tell me your understanding of the Messiah. Remember what you knew. Remember what you heard. Do you really think he's still dead? Think about what you're doing right now. Think about how you're responding to the gospel. The gospel message is not only about the death of a Savior on the cross. The gospel message is about the risen Lord. So I want you to think about your faith right now. Mary said to him, I don't know where they took him. If you know where they have taken him, tell me. Because I want to take care of him. 
She, she supposedly said the man who was talking to her was a gardener. She didn't recognize him. And Jesus said to her, still with a gentle voice, a kind voice, Mary, And she said to him, Rabunai. It's an Aramaic word and it means beloved master. You see, the, mo- the moment she heard Jesus calling her name, Mary, she recognized him. What does that remind you? John 10. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep know my voice. They know me, I know them, they, they know my voice. When I call them, they recognize me. He found his sheep, and he, he found his sheep being troubled, being afraid. Her face was so small, beloved, and Jesus had to reveal himself to her as the risen Lord. Listen, beloved, humanly speaking, faith is impossible. You need to know that. Humanly speaking, faith is impossible. Whatever reason you try to give, you, you reason, you reason, unless Jesus breaks in into your life and help you by his grace, you will never respond to the gospel. Never. He has to reveal himself to you. He has to break through. Come into your heart and reveal himself to you as the risen Lord. That's what he did with Mary. You see, she was troubled. And I want you to understand this. You see, when she was thinking that he's dead, like those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, they told Jesus, they didn't recognize him, they told him, well, we had a Messiah, but now he's dead. So we have no hope. Thomas said, unless I see see him by, by my physical eyes, I'm not going to believe. You see, how our faith, how fragile our faith can be without Jesus' help. And now she's thinking... You see, when she recognized him, what she, what she tried to do was, you know, she tried to hold him so closely so that he would not leave again. Because she was thinking, if he leaves, the demons will come back and I will be under the bandage of demons again. And Jesus told her, no, 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 Mary, you don't need to do that. Don't touch me. Because I have to ascend to my father. And Mary, if I ascend to my father, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you and the other disciples. And it will be better for you. Because I will be with you all the time. Just go and tell them. 
that I will ascend to my father. Which will be what? Better for all of you. John 16, 7. I tell you the truth. If it is, it is to your advantage, advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This is mercy. Jesus was so merciful to Mary. He is merciful to you, beloved. You see, even now, maybe the faith of some of you is so weak. Maybe this morning before you came to church, you were thinking of a dead Savior. Not the reason one. Maybe some of you are not sure whether, you know, after you die, whether you are going to heaven or not. Maybe some of you are not yet sure. But remember, if you are in Christ by faith, the Christ with whom you have been united by faith, he's risen. He's a living Savior. And he was risen from the dead for your justification, which means when you die, you will join him in his resurrection and you will be in heaven with Christ in the presence of your heavenly father forever. Sheol will not be your place. Your body will not see corruption forever. You will rise up from the dead. And you will join Jesus, the firstborn, who led, who will lead you to eternal glory. Now lastly, you see, resurrection offers to us something personal. Listen to Mark here, uh, to John. Verse 19, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the door being locked where the disciples were for, were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. That's exactly what they needed. It was evening. It was dark. Not only physical darkness, but also there was spiritual darkness in the mind, in the hearts of the disciples. Every one of them were thinking, well, you know, the, the religious leaders in Israel, the Romans will come and kill us. They were afraid. So there was no peace in their hearts. There was no peace in their life. And Jesus comes to them and he said, Shalom. This is the common Jewish greeting in Israel. Shalom. Peace be to you. But the shalom that Jesus uttered to his disciples was more than the common Jewish greeting. Jesus was saying to his disciples, Oh, yes, I was, I was dead. And I was buried. 
And I can understand your fear because you're still thinking I'm dead. But now, peace be unto you because I am risen. Now you can open this door. Don't lock your door. Open the door and go and proclaim the gospel. Because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And he will be your power. Do not be afraid. Number one, you have to reconcile with my father. Beloved, do you remember Isaiah 9, 6? 600, 700 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the prophecy was, for to us a child is born, his birth. For us a child is born. To us. To us a son is given. John 3, 16. A son is given. Then whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. A son is given. And the government, he's a ruler. He's going to rule. You know, the government should be upon his shoulders. No one is going to rule you. No one is going to oppress you spiritually than Christ. And his name shall be called what? Wonderful. Wonderful. I have never met a citizen who calls his president wonderful. But Jesus is wonderful. Because he's perfect. Because he gives eternal life. Because he died for you on the cross in your place. You were supposed to die on that cross, but he took your place and died a substitutionary death on your behalf. He's wonderful. He took the wrath of his father upon him. That wrath was supposed to come upon you. He took it upon him. He's wonderful. Jesus said to Mary, Mary, with all her weaknesses, he's wonderful. He's the good shepherd. He doesn't despise you. He doesn't come across hard on you. He's the Lord. He's the risen Lord, but he's gentle. And he's a wonderful counselor. He reveals himself to you. He shines the light of the gospel in your heart. And then, mighty God. Resurrection. 700 years before he was born, you have the prophecy of his mighty power. And I listen to this, to this. Prince of peace. Peace be to you. From who? The prince of peace. Beloved, this peace is not from your pastor. This peace is not from one of your elders. This peace is from Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the angels sang. What did they sing? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Among those with whom he is pleased, peace. You who are sick, 
this morning and you're not sure whether you will survive this sickness or not, peace be unto you. Those of you who are struggling in your marriage, there is no peace in your marriage. Peace unto you. Those who are not sure whether you will be in heaven or not, well, come to Jesus by faith. Repent in all your sin. Jesus will say to you, peace be unto you. See, resurrection offers to you something rational, something merciful, something personal. Peace. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, how we magnify your name for the peace that Christ gives to us. Thank you for his resurrection. We indeed worship not a dead Savior, but a living Savior. Help us now to be your witnesses wherever we go. To tell people not only about your death, but also about your resurrection from the dead. The hope, the sure hope that we have in your Son, Jesus Christ. Life after death. We pray all these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.